Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajasad, and with me, as always, is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, summertime listeners. Greetings to all of our seasonal listeners. In case this is the first time you're hearing our podcast, let me just lay it out for you. Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and we use this time to talk about whatever's going on in the industry in terms of new cars, um, some of our listener questions, as well as some industry news. So I'm going to jump into it because I believe I've got the cool new cars this week. And I'm going to start with a new well, kind of new car. It's the Subaru BRZ, and it's a car that I think I know pretty well. Because you, you own that? you own own a BRZ, right, Sammy? I own a 2013 Scion FRS, which is a almost identical twin to the BRZ. Um, Toyota and Subaru built this car together, or developed this car together. Subaru builds it in one of their factories, and it's a very complicated, but um, thankfully enthusiast-friendly relationship. It's a lightweight rear-wheel drive car. I have the BRZ TS, and the TS stands for Tuned by STI. Okay, when you say you have, that's the one you're driving now, not the one you own. Yes, that's the one I'm driving this week. Okay. Um, STI, as you know it, is a performance arm of Subaru, um, and they're usually known for the big WRX STI, which is a 305 horsepower or 310 horsepower. I can't remember how much horsepower it makes. Rally monster. Me and you have both driven this thing on the track too, and it's a lot of fun. But the BRZ TS does not have a lot of power. No, what? But you, it's, sorry, mm-hmm. go, go on. I just something I wanted to add about T, the, the WRX STI TS whole thing when you're done here. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, the BRZ TS doesn't have more power despite it being tuned by STI. It has a bunch of new features that are made to make it more capable on the track. Now, this, is, this isn't a new thing. This is what I wanted to get at. So they've been – STI has been kind of teasing versions of the BRZ and the WRX and the STI that don't have more power for quite a long time now. Am I, am I correct about that? Like there's there's been like the 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 RA version of the STI that came out doesn't have more power. It just it's a suspension package. Um, now we have the TS which doesn't have more power. It's a suspension mm-hmm. package. It's, it seems to be, I mean, a new thing for for uh, that STI badge. Yeah, right? or the it, STI brand. Yeah, in the sense that you know, there's one huge elephant in the room when you're talking about the BRZ. And that's the fact that people want it to make more power. Whether it needs more power or not doesn't matter in this conversation. People mm-hmm. want more power. The TS comes out, it doesn't have more power at all. Nothing. No. Not even a smidgen. So no. uh, how do you feel you about that? want me to go through? You, well, I don't mind. As I mentioned, I have one of these things, in, or at least in an older version of the of the FRS. It makes five horsepower or less. Um as that's what they used to do back in the day. And um, I love my car. It's perfect for the road. It's not fantastic for some of the bigger tracks that you've taken on, but I always wonder, I always balance that with how many times I'm going on the big boy tracks, and that's very rare. I will say, though, this STI comes loaded with all kinds of stuff. It has, here, let me run through these. these STI, uh, you mean TS? Uh, BRZ TS, yes. yes. It adds STI-tuned front and rear sax dampers and coil springs, as well as flexible V-braces in the engine compartment. There's new draw stiffeners added to the chassis and subframe to improve steering. There's also uh, 18-inch wheels, standard 18-inch wheels in this model. They're lightweight STI wheels, and they come with Michelin Pilot Sport 4 tires. And there's also Brembo uh, brakes, four pistons in the front, two pistons in the rear. 
You said and draw draw stuff draw something. Draw stiffeners. I don't if know. You know if are. you're listening and you know what a draw stiffener is, feel no, free to message, message us because I have no <laughs> idea. Um it sounds fancy though. It also has a STI rear carbon fiber spoiler, which is manually adjustable, and there's some underspoilers as well to improve uh, airflow. So basically, aero, suspension, and crazy tires. And how much more is this costing? This car starts at, I had the price, here it is, $34,355. And how much more is that over a base uh, BRZ? A base BRZ? Let's take a look. Look it up, Sammy. So and, uh, and I want and while you're looking that up, I just want to point out this this car has a fairly sizable rear wing, right? Like it's yeah, like a like kind it's of noticeable. You can't you can't miss it. You like kind of you could hang laundry on it, kind of rear wing, kind yeah. of like you could use it as a picnic table or put some coffees on it, or it's serious business. Like like almost like Viper ACR level rear wing. Uh yeah, maybe a little bit less than that. I like how okay. I'm talking like I've never seen this car before in my life. Like it's just like I'm just in my mind I'm. Sammy's painted an image of the car, and I'm just I'm just going with that. No, I'm right. It does have an ACR wing on it. No, it's it's <laughs> totally there. I'm surprised that wing doesn't hit the rear glass when you pop the trunk. <laughs> Honestly, they should call it the the Smasher. <laughs> Do you want the Smasher wing or the Impaler wing? Who can decide? Uh, I'll take the Smasher wing, please. Who can the decide? Base, the base BRZ actually costs uh, just twenty six thousand dollars and four hundred fifty five. So it's eight grand. Twenty six four fifty five. It's eight grand more. Eight grand more for this limited edition. It's five hundred units in the U.S., a hundred in Canada, um, and it's lacking some of those um, features that we mentioned, like uh, the upgraded brakes and suspension and uh, tires. But eight grand is a lot of money. But you it also is. get a limited edition vehicle. But two thousand of that is going to be tires, right? So yeah. you don't feel so bad there. But the other thing too is when when the BRZ and the FRS came out, they came on these very low grip tires, mm-hmm. and that was a huge complaint for a lot of owners. They're like, oh, why do I have these you know slip angle tires that are just gonna yeah you know, I, I have no traction on the track blah blah blah. Um, that was kind of actually part of the car's fun when it first came out because I you could agree. slide it around. I agree with you. So when I had the car, I was a bit new to taking cars on the track, and the the FRS allowed me to learn what it's like to put a rear-wheel drive vehicle on the track, to to understand what it feels like when a car, when you start to lose traction on a car, why you want to maintain as much grip as you can and maintain momentum through corners as much as you can. And then as soon as those those stock tires got worn, I put some stickier tires on it and. It improved my performance on the track significantly. Yeah, and tire, tires are the really best. Cool. I mean, it's the uh, most bang for the buck you'll get for any performance mod. But I found that the fact that they put these limited tires, they put a limited a limit on the ceiling of the of the car early on, so that you can get used to it first and then take it from there. Yeah, which so, I think is pretty cool. But it can also be interpreted as you know them not taking the car seriously from a performance perspective, and the TS kind of seems like they've come full circle and they're now like, hey, you know what? This is we're proud of this chassis and this platform, mm-hmm. and it it can do what we need it to do. So uh, here you go. Here's here's everything that maybe should have been available from day one, but you can have it now. So it's track ready. Uh, I'm taking it to the track, and I can't wait to do that. I understand it's going to be quite. Uh, grippy, and it feels much grippier than my own car, which is something I was not expecting. Um, the FRS, even with new tires, 
can you can you can kick its tail out almost at will and this car seems so much more reluctant to do that and even when you think that it should be either stepping the rear out or understeering it does neither and it just hugs the road in a way that i did not expect this car has so much grip ben i loved it well i mean that's ultimately what you want right like if it's it's you, you don't want to be kicking the rear out on a racetrack it's mm-hmm. not it's counterproductive a lot of the time the, the 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 laps that look the fastest are often the slowest and vice versa right mm-hmm. so uh i mean I, I i i applaud the fact that this car exists i think it's a really cool package mm-hmm. uh i'm not sure if it's eight thousand dollars cool and i'm wondering how much of it could be replicated in the aftermarket for far less money but like mm-hmm. you said it's a limited edition car right like if you buy this it's one of it's one of 625 in north america Mm-hmm. Um, so you're definitely you're getting something cool. Uh, I don't think you're getting something that's going to appreciate in your garage that you can sell on Barrett Jackson 50 years from now. <laughs> but it's, we, it's, well, we don't know yet. I mean, Japanese no, cars I, have yet to. Yet I think to we know. Same impact on the on the classic car market. I which think is we too know. Bad, right? <laughs> um, I want to add a few more things. As always, this car has a fantastic manual transmission. I think it's one of the best in the industry. Um, and the engine, although it doesn't sound particularly great. It is very usable. It's uh, it's a bit peaky. That means that it has a torque valley in the middle of the rev range, um, which is awkward. But when you go above the, the 5,000 RPM mark, the car just screams and it feels so good. Um, it's also extremely lightweight. Even all those features that we still, uh, we still talked about means that this car still weighs 28,000 pounds. 2,800. Is, uh, sorry, 2,800 pounds. See, I'm losing it, Ben. Jeez. Um, 2,800 pounds. Thank you for that. And I think that's pretty impressive, uh, despite it having bigger tires, bigger wheels, um, and, and, you know, a rear wheel drive platform. Yeah. Still lighter than a Honda S2000 all these years later, which is pretty good. (laughs) Um, there's a couple of things that I have to discuss though. It is very stiff. It's, um, it's a bit painful to, to drive every day. It's not the, like I, I live with the car. And sometimes there's days when I'm like, I don't want to take it out today. It's just sometimes, you know, you have to deal with it being a small car um, and parking it somewhere where somebody might not see it or driving it in on the highway around some ginormous pickup trucks where you're going to see somebody change lanes um, without thinking twice and, and they end up cutting you off. Which yeah, but I mean, insane. that's... That's just a normal performance car thing, right? It's like right. it's not not it's not endemic to the BRZ. With this BRZ TS, with that giant wing and the blacked out wheels and the other SCI aero kit around it, it looks faster despite not being faster. And people just <laughs> are, are like they respond to that and they think that you're either a boy, they think that you're just some boy racer, some guy who's out to to be a menace on the road. You're, you're a man racer, Sammy. <laughs> Yes, I guess that's true. But um, they they think you're just someone who's out to to cause some trouble. And the car sounds uh, pretty aggressive in in second and third gear. So even if you're tootling around town, people are like telling you to like, keep it down, like, you know, slow down. You're not really going that fast. Yeah, but I mean, I have people telling me to do that in almost every neighborhood, no matter what I'm driving. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying I'm speeding. Even when I'm not speeding, it's, it, people, I think, I think when they're pedestrians, it like adds 50 kilometers or 30 miles an hour to whatever speed of the car is going by. Like, yeah. I don't know why they, they, you just lose the ability to judge speed. Well, um, look, see how fast that car was going? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, there are some na- there's some parts of my neighborhood that have like a 15 mile an hour speed limit, and you're going like 15 miles an hour or 
heaven forbid you're going 20 miles an hour, which is a crazy speed for anyone to be driving. And people, they give you the death stare. They do that whole, they, they do their hands pointing down at the crown thing with their palms down. You know, the universal dad on his lawn being like, hey, now, slow down there, son. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous. But I, it, and I think, you know, once you, like you said, you put that wing on the car and, and people, people lose their minds. They're like, yeah, they're like, look, they're already speed dialing the cops. They're like, there's some no good Nick in our neighborhood. Yeah, like, I don't like the looks of this guy. I don't think he's selling the reefer, but he's definitely driving too fast, you know? <laughs> Um, and you know what, though? I still really enjoy this car. It's so fast. I know that people say it's not fast, it, and I I can see where they're coming from. The straight line speed is not quite there, but the, the, the speed in the corners, the amount of grip it has is unlike anything else in this class. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fast uh, in, in certain situations, like on a racetrack, which is a good place to be fast. But a lot of posers never go to the racetrack, so they'll never find out. And they only want to be fast from stoplight to stoplight. And that's fine if you want to do that. But don't yeah, but a trash... Lot of cars, a lot of cars and a lot of normal cars will do that, too. Yeah, right? but don't trash talk like a car just because it's not fast how you want it to be fast. You're not driving it. You didn't buy it. It doesn't matter. And it feels so responsive. You should see... You should, you should feel the way it just changes direction. Even, even just... The, the response immediately from a from a touch of the steering wheel. You just think about going in a direction or a lane change, and the car does it. I really do love what they've done with the steering and these these wheels. I'm honestly, I think I told you, I'm considering getting a set of these Pilot Sport Four tires from my own car because I'm so impressed with how it feels on this BRZ TS. So, I mean, word to anyone out there who owns a BRZ, maybe don't buy the TS. Maybe <laughs> maybe put better tires on your car. I mean, it's it's worked for me in the past. <laughs> There's one significant advantage on this car that may not matter to a lot of buyers, but uh, it did to somebody who will drive the car um, regularly. It can come with the new Starlink infotainment system. And that includes navigation, which is something um, like an onboard navigation system, which works very well. It also has Android Auto and Apple CarPlay support, which is something that I kind of wish, um, after using it in this car, I kind of wish I had in my car. Um, and it also has a rearview camera, which is handy as well, because when you've got a big wing, wing in the mirror, I mean, in the rearview mirror or in, over the window, you need some extra visibility. Now, uh, one more thing I wanted to add to anyone who's considering adding, you know, more aggressive tires to their car. I said earlier that it's it's the best bang for the buck you'll ever get from a performance mod. But there's one more thing that you should do at the same time if you're really serious about your car's handling, and that's to get a proper alignment. Mm -hmm. Because most cars, a.k.a. every car that comes from the factory, pretty much, the alignment is designed to deal with road crown and to keep the vehicle from drifting in its lane and to have it track straight at a high rate of speed. So when you're on the highway, it doesn't wobble around from one lane to the other. And if the, the lanes are crowned, it doesn't you know pull towards the side of the road or the center of the road. In, re in reality, you want to have, for handling, you want to have an alignment that is going to maximize the contact patch of your tires. A lot of the time that means having uh, additional camber because in a corner, um, if the tires are pointing straight up and down, you're going to lose contact patch. But if you add uh, camber to the car, you're going to be able to control how much of the contact patch is there in the middle of the corner. You can also add caster, which will um, the with the wheels towards the, the. So imagine, you know, a, ben, a super, you're, you're you're going all out here with this. I though. am going all out here because it's I think it's talk. I wow. think it's important. Uh, you're pushing a super. You're in a supermarket and you're pushing a shopping cart, and when the wheels are 
you know how they at the front of the the cart, Sammy, the wheels flop around everywhere, and they can be pointed forwards or pointed backwards. Mm-hmm. So when they're pointed backwards, the cars the cart's pretty stable, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it 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 tracks in a straight line. But when they're forwards, you can jiggle it around and it'll turn much more quickly. That's why the wheels can rotate like that. So it's the same on your car. When you have when when you're adjusting the caster, the farther the wheels are back from the center line of the axles. Um, this, the more stable it's going to be in a straight line. But the farther you push them forward, the more willing to turn it's going to be. So you need to find a balance between um, caster that is acceptable for wandering around on the road when you're driving just normally and caster that's going to improve your turn in on a racetrack. So anyway, I realize I'm kind of rambling, but... This has it, been Alignment Corner with Ben Hunter. Tires and alignment are, are two really important things. And if you're on a racetrack with a street alignment... You're going to be fighting that alignment, and you're going to be wearing out your tires much faster than you you really should be because the car is going to have to overcome the strangeness of its front end alignment in order to handle like you want it to. Um, I also I also had another car, and it, I think this other car. No that, comment um, from Sammy on 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 alignment whatsoever. Instant, I have nothing. I have instant segue. Say, and I instant think segue. You, that I exists in a universe, that. a feedback-free universe, where Sammy is only laser-focused on the Ford Mustang EcoBoost convertible. Isn't that right, Sammy? That's right. So, you know what? There's there's an interesting way to describe the way the BRZ feels and how fast it is. I said it has grip. It has a ton of grip, and it feels fast based on how it feels on the road. And now, it's light. Mustang, a Mustang convertible is almost the complete opposite of everything that the, the BRZ is. It is not... Uh, first of all, it's a, it's a convertible. It's a turbocharged four-cylinder. It has a turbocharged four-cylinder engine. My model has a 10-speed automatic. Oh. And the way you feel fast in this car is with the roof down and the wind blowing in your hair. And you still feel like you're having a fun time. It's oh. just a different kind of fun that you would have in a in something a little bit more hardcore and focused for, for track uh, applications. Like okay, so yeah. Sammy's misusing the word fun here quite a bit. Um I'm going to go on record as saying the EcoBoost convertible Mustang is the worst Mustang I've ever driven. Uh, there's an, I mean, that just goes to say how good the Mustang has become. It, uh, it is a heavy, slow, poor sounding vehicle compared to the V6 that used to be available and compared to the GT's V8, which is excellent. It's, I, it's, I don't understand the, the convertible Brings out the worst in the EcoBoost because it is the heaviest version of the Mustang out there. I believe it's like it must be a full thousand pounds heavier than the BRZ. Uh, it's almost. Uh, I have the weight of this Mustang convertible EcoBoost with the automatic and the four-speed uh, and the four-cylinder is three thousand thirty-six hundred. Sorry, thirty-six hundred pounds right there. Yeah, so it's it's nine hundred pounds heavier. Yeah. Okay. So wow, um, you feel. But you get every... hundred. You get hundred and five more horsepower. Yeah, but it's, you it's get not two hundred not... pound feet more torque. It's not the horsepower that's the problem. It's the fact that car is just the, the chassis is too floppy without the roof, I... and the heaviness just saps all the fun out of the Mustang platform. I mean, at least if you have a convertible GT, you can do burnouts and you have a lot more instant on torque. In in the the EcoBoost. It just, and I'm really harping on this because I was shocked at how little I enjoyed this car when I drove it a couple years ago. I didn't have the 10 speed, I had the 6 speed automatic. And it was just an unpleasant vehicle, and it it did not feel sporty at all. If you were going to buy it and just cruise around with the top down and like as a rental on vacation or um, just a daily driver, then fine. But it's not sporty at all. 
I will disagree in a couple of ways. Um, I agree with you, though, that it's not like sporty in the same way that the BRZ or almost any other car that has been on a track is sporty. Um, it is sporty for the road, which means that it can it changes directions nicely without oh. without messing you up too much or I disagree. feeling feeling unsafe at doing at doing that. It feels leaded and heavy at all times, even even on the road. I will admit that I I was expecting it to be floppier and looser than it is, uh, and it isn't that bad. Um, and and that's something that I wasn't expecting. It is a little bit tighter than I expected. Um, but I agree with you. It's heavy. It's not quick in the same way that the BRZTS feels quick uh, or any other coupe feels quick. Um, it looks great. It gets a lot of attention. My model is a bright yellow shade of um, – uh, sorry, a bright yellow shade shade of color i don't know what i'm trying to say here um, a bright shade of yellow i believe is maybe what yellow. you were going for but we will also accept shade of color um i, I hate the way it sounds man it sounds terrible i don't terrible, know what awful. noises it it's trying uh, to make right now no. and i understand that there's some noise being pumped in through either the sound system or something like that i can't figure it out there's like whooshing noises there's a bit of a a four-cylinder thrumming that's happening but none of it sounds like good and that's coming from somebody that's something that's coming from a guy who just got out of a four-cylinder boxer engine which typically sounds like a tractor and for that to sound bad um for that for that to sound good in comparison to what's found in the mustang is a big issue I don't know. I, 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 I just don't like the EcoBoost in the convertible Mustang. I feel like the V6 was great. Why not have the V6? You know, it, it's the EcoBoost is fine for other applications. The four cylinder, I, I like the engine in, in other cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just in this Mustang, it's just like, you, you know, it's supposed to be fun. It's, and it's not fun. It's, and they, they really push it as being fun. And they push it to the point where they've killed the V6 completely, yeah. you know? And, and of course, Ford doesn't care because they're killing all cars. Every car except the Mustang is gonna be dead. So Ford's not really that into fun right now. They're they into, don't need to be fun when the no, Mustang's as fun as they're gonna make it. They are into high profit margin SUVs. So mm-hmm. I mean, make of that what you will. Um, I want to say it's um I've got this 10 speed automatic. I don't really like it, which is a shame because I've heard some pretty good things along the lines with it, but I feel like it's got way too many gears. Well, it's um, decent in the – I found it decent in the F-150. Okay. Um, so it was, it was pretty transparent. I didn't really notice it. Uh, I have heard exactly what you're saying, though, about too many gears from other drivers. So that doesn't surprise me that you, you encountered that. And cruising around on the highway at, say, 120 kilometers an hour, if – How many miles is that? 70? 70 miles an hour. Yeah. The engine is is running around under two hundred uh, under two thousand rpm, actually close to fifteen hundred rpm. And in order to get going, you put your foot down, and the gear it switches from tenth gear to fifth gear, and then you get going. Now, if you're driving in a manual mode, you can't do that. There's no way to just hold the left paddle and then it goes to the lowest available gear. You have to <laughs> click your way all the way to fifth. What Which situation kind of annoying, are you, but what situation are you in where you're in like a manual mode and you need to have the number of gears you're in like <laughs> I don't think there's a back road or racetrack that's you know like maybe that top speed ring from the first Gran Turismo game <laughs> <laughs> 
that either, might need it. Either way, it is a very bizarre feeling to have to go through a couple of gears just to get to the acceleration that you want. Yeah. Um, and then you have to you have to figure out what ratio is the best one for right now. It's it's in a. I don't think it's perfect. I don't think just it's. Just relax. I think it's sit back and let the robots decide for you, Sammy. That's pretty much what it boils down to. I don't even know why your biological interference is is attempting to make the Mustang something it isn't. You just gotta let go. So what it's it all, is, it's all is ones very, and zeros. What what it actually is is really comfortable and accommodating. It has a ton of features. It. I was really impressed with all of the things they were able to put in this car. Um, first of all, it has a beautiful digital gauge cluster or or. Or digital dash, which looks so good. It's customizable. It has, I think, three or four different um, screens, which is pretty cool. Uh, you can change the colors on it and all sorts of neat things like that. It also has um, dual zone automatic climate control. It has heated invented seats. I mean, sorry, yeah, heated invented seats. Heated steering wheel is available. What else does it have? I'm really impressed with the amount of features that they're able to put how, in a how car. Much, how much did it cost? How much more is this costing me compared to the BRZ TS? Okay, you don't want to hear that. Which is genuinely fun to drive. You don't want to hear that number. I want to say – I'm going to say 45000 It's almost 45000 It's actually 43000 with Ooh. this very well-equipped um, EcoBoost convertible. Wow. Oh, okay. Follow-up follow follow question. I've got follow up. I've got Hey, No, go ahead. I said it looks good. There's an issue when you drop the top. There's no like there's like these two plastic tonneau cover uh, flaps that you've got to put into the car, which look terrible. And it just makes the car feel look unfinished every time you've got the roof down, which is insane. Mm -hmm. Additionally, this car does zero to 62. And what I've read um, due to some third party uh, testing around 6.6 .6 seconds. The BRZ does it between 6.2 and 6.4. So we found a car that it's actually faster than. Wow. Additionally. And the, I mean, remember what I was saying about how it was heavy, slow, and unenjoyable yeah. to drive? Yeah. So it's not even faster in a straight line. Let me get to the 10-speed and 2.3-liter turbocharged uh, four-cylinder, which is supposed to be eco-friendly. 20 MPG in the city, 29 MPG on the highway, and 23 combined. Do you okay. want to know what the combined number of the BRZ is? I'm going to say 23 or 24. 23 as well. Wow. What's going okay. on? Right? Like, uh, uh, let, let's go back what to this. Benefits in, if you're looking at raw numbers, the benefits are so difficult to see. You have to go with what your kind of car is like. And the Mustang convertible can probably appeal to some people who don't want a performance vehicle. They want a car that looks fun, that is pretty quick. It's not slow. I won't call it slow, but it's pretty quick. It, it, it's got a lot of features. Um, or do they want a car that engages you in every aspect of the of the drive, almost to the point that it kind of stresses you out if you're not ready for that feeling every single day, um, but will reward you with that uh, engagement with some pretty impressive speed? Okay. Grip. I don't think anyone's cross-shopping these cars. No, of course I don't not. think they're comparable at all. Um, and I don't think that the EcoBoost is a performance car. Okay. Um, I will say that the Audi RS5 that I drove last week that we talked about did 20 miles per gallon combined as well. <laughs> so well, that's a 400. Or 20, 20. 20 miles per gallon combined. So that is a okay. that, that's that's like what the that's what the EcoBoost is rated at, right? No, that's uh, 23 combined. The EcoBoost is rated 20 in the city. Okay. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I thought that the, the BRZ was the exact same. The exact same one. So yeah. for a three miles per gallon less, you get 444 horsepower. I'm <laughs> yeah, just gonna, and that's real world that's too. Different. That. That's what I got. That's actually what I got. So, I mean, th th that that's a little weird to me. But uh, I want to say, 
the base version of the EcoBoost convertible is 31,000. So your car had $15,000 worth of options or $12,000 worth of options, sorry. Uh, that's a that's a lot of I mean there's a there's an EcoBoost premium version of the that's car what that, that's what I've got that's thirty six thousand three hundred mm-hmm. so your car still had a lot of options but I just want, I'm, the reason I'm talking about pricing is because if you step up to the GT convertible yeah. which also comes in premium trim with heated and cooled it front has seats and the most sink. necessary feature of V8 yeah. it's forty four thousand yeah I would much so, rather have that who is buying the the fully loaded EcoBoost like it's just not it's not a deal. Mm-hmm. At when you when you put pile on all the options, it's not fast. It's not particularly um, uh, e- economical to operate, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of a weird vehicle. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on all of these points. Um, I, I th- don't know I think... why it's it's. I don't know what Ford is doing here, but you know what? They sell a buttload of these mu- of these Mustangs. I don't know if the convertible actually has a pretty high take rate, but they do sell a ton of Mustangs. They well, they sell. I think the EcoBoost makes perfect sense in coupe form as an entry level vehicle um that i don't have a problem with that at all I, i'll I let just, you know that that's what i was going for but the car that ford ended up sending me was an, an automatic convertible so yeah it's 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 once you once you really load the car up with options once you add all that weight from the convertible uh design you're you're really you really sap out a lot of what makes the EcoBoost appealing in the first place. But I mean, I, you know, you can push a Mustang GT convertible well past 50,000 if you wanted to add on options too. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's all there. We're living in, in, in a totally new world now where <laughs> you can spend BMW money on a Mustang. <laughs> so um, that's, just, that's just how it is. So what else do we have going on this week? I know you mentioned last week that we're going to be talking about some of our reader comments. So listener comments, Sammy. Oh, listener sorry, comments. Listener, you said reader comments last <laughs> week, and now I'm saying it next. Uh, um, so uh, I wanted to. We had uh, we had some people get in touch with us. This gentleman who or or lady who did not leave their name. Uh, actually, sorry, I'm wrong. It's Mark. And Mark was saying that you know we were talking about Lamborghinis and non-supercars being as fast as supercars last week. Specifically, Sammy was talking about that not last week, but a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 0 to 60, there's a lot of cars that are as fast as the Aventador right. or faster. But his point was, in a straight line, if you watch drag racing videos or if you go to the drag strip, you'll notice that above 60 miles an hour, these cars don't always uh, – they, they don't always have the top end that a supercar does. Yeah, like, so a, if you're, like a Tesla. A Tesla runs at a breath quickly after 60 miles well, I mean, if, if especially if you watch like uh, mile racing or standing half mm-hmm. miles, standing miles, you'll notice that the supercars really tend to take off. <laughs> yeah. Um, because well, not 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 just that way, but I mean, they have the arrow that allows them to, and and the light, the power to weight ratio, which is the point that Mark made, where when you're going really quickly, um, and you've overcome that initial grip and the initial low end torque that these, you know, the Tesla and the M5 have, that's where you really start to see the benefits of the engineered solution, the high High speed engineering that goes into a supercar. So that's an interesting point for him to make. And, and I also, wanna, I, no, hold on. I want to continue on that point. There's something that goes on with those Teslas. If you do that, those launch, those launches consecutively, it won't, it doesn't want to do it very many times because the heat generated is yeah. so immense. And um, a lap, same, same if you're on a, a racetrack and you're lapping a Tesla or any battery powered car, the heat generated will shut it down after, I mean, not, not a very long period of time. But I mean, the heat is also an issue for any car. Internal combustion engines, they manage it a little bit better. Uh, but you you still have to be careful with heat. If you're continuously launching a, a Lamborghini, um, you're going to want to watch heat in the transmission, the clutch packs, and all that stuff. It's going to be an issue. 
Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for the email, Mark. Uh, I really appreciate you you mentioning this, and I I agree with you. I just wanted to to talk about our, or have the conversation about the performance metric that's so often quoted as zero to sixty times, and I think. To, in today's world, zero to sixty does not matter as much as it used to. Um, although there's no point in really talking about zero to hundred because there's no place we can really do a hundred legally other than a racetrack, right? Certainly not, Sammy. Certainly not. Um, I, there's a there's one more uh, listener who reached out to us a couple of weeks ago, and sorry we're just getting to this now, Jeff, but um, I wanted to bring it up because we were talking about the BMW 640 GT. Do you remember that, Sammy? Yeah. And and, and the conclusion we came to was. This is a car that neither of us expected to like, and we both ended up liking it quite a bit because it was so good at pretty much everything. But we were wondering who's buying this car because it's it's so unusual. The styling is not what you would necessarily expect at that price point. Um, it's not an SUV, uh, yet it's sort of an SUV. <laughs> so who's who's going to step up to the to the counter and say, you know what? I'm going to pay a significant amount of money for this particular BMW. So Jeff wrote in to tell us that he is that customer. Yeah, <laughs> I love this. We found the guy that buys the, the 6 Series GT. And he had a lot of reasons as to why he ended up owning it. He and his wife, he says they took delivery of one in late May, so actually not that long ago. And what it, the reason was it turned out to have everything they wanted in mm -hmm. a car. They, they needed great big rear seat with lots of legroom, which is exactly what the car has because they have a they have a, a, a twin children um, who are growing uh, up yeah, pretty 12 fast. Yeah, 12-year-olds who are, who are grown, who are, <laughs> they, he said, full size. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's important. He, they wanted cargo space. They wanted a nice interior, and they wanted a comfortable ride with good power. So mm -hmm. they looked at a lot of vehicles, and this is amazing because uh, I was, you know, who who what do you compare the 6 series GT against when you're shopping and and they went Jeff and his wife went all out they they looked yeah, at it he looked at e everything E-class wagon mm -hmm. the GLC they looked at a Buick Enclave a Volkswagen Atlas a V90 a Porsche Macan Lexus RX Volks uh, sorry Volvo XC60 yep. and the Audi A4 Allroad and the Audi SQ5 all yep. of these vehicles and these are and the Cayenne as well so these are all, you know, this that's a very wide breadth of vehicles. But you'll notice there's some common commonality there. They all have decent cargo space. A few of them have three rows available. And uh, w what kind of narrowed things down for Jeff was the, the big vehicles were just too big. The Enclave yeah. and the Atlas. I mean, I agree completely with the Atlas. He said that the driving, it, it drove big. That's yep. very true. The Enclave is also a large vehicle. Um, they didn't like how low to the ground the A4... All Road and the E-Class Wagon were. And the smaller crossovers just didn't have the space they needed. Right. So they came back around to the GT, which they said, you know, hey, Jeff's like, hey, I think, like you guys, I think it's a lot like the R-Class that used to be available. Mm -hmm. um, and it turned out to have everything they wanted. It's it's big inside without feeling big on the outside, which I totally to agree with. Um, the he other point... Few, he added a few extra elements. He said he really likes that uh, that that note we said, which is like the like a 7 Series with great cargo yeah. but he also apparently got uh maybe they're having a difficult time selling them but bmw is apparently providing some nice incentives and he got his for a pretty good deal yeah he got a very good deal off of msrp and that doesn't surprise me because i think that if you're a bmw dealer and you have one of these in your showroom yeah. you can't you can't necessarily find someone like jeff because jeff did his homework and ended up with exactly the vehicle that he wanted and needed but I think if you're just wandering into a BMW showroom and you see that car, 
you might not realize how well it compares against all of the other vehicles that are in its class in terms of size and price. You have to really to appreciate I mean you and I we get to drive a lot of different cars so we are mm -hmm. able to appreciate how well the 640 GT holds up mm -hmm. and how well it does what it's what it what it sets out to do but um if you're just looking at it and you look at the price and you look at the styling and you're like I don't get it and then you never follow through you don't find out that you can get a good deal on it you don't drive it so you don't find out how nice it drives and how comfortable it is it kind of it, it kind of exists in this weird like uh, opposite of a uh, of a black hole, where instead of all the attention being sucked into it, it's just like all the it has like an attention uh, barrier in yeah, front of it. Where like you, a force field. Yeah. You yeah. Your brain looks at it and it instantly skips over it. There was like there was an author named Douglas Adams who was a science fiction author, and uh, he was he was very very funny guy, and he used to have this thing called a somebody else's problem generator. Mm -hmm. and it was a some you could generate a field that when you put it in front of something. People would look at it and think, oh, it's somebody else's problem, and they wouldn't deal with it. So I think the 640 GT is somebody else's problem, and it's on somebody else's shopping list. And I think that's BMW's biggest issue with the vehicle. Yeah, so fortunately for Jeff, he picked this thing up, and uh, he seems quite happy with it. And you know what? I think it's so funny because, in my view, one of the most Im impressive parts of the, the 6 Series GT was its interior. And that was something that he didn't even mention. And uh, I think it's so interesting to see what other people pick up in a, in a car. It was about the size and space for him rather than just the interior um, creature comforts. And, so and, I hope and, he enjoys and, that car because I really think it's one of the most luxurious, luxurious cars you can get, too. I think he'll definitely enjoy it. And I think, you know, if you look five to six years from now, um, this car is going to be a – well, you know, okay – <laughs> I don't advise anyone buy a new German luxury car out of warranty, but if you can get a uh, certified pre-owned 640 GT on the secondhand market in like three or four years with a decent decent warranty coverage, I think they're going to be a steal. I think they're just going to be – because there's, there's not going to be a lot of them, and I think they're going to be one of those vehicles that you have to be in the know to own and you're gonna you're gonna see them and it's you know these days i look at people who own like a five series gt and i'm like why would you ever buy that and i'm so curious about the the driver and i, I make sure to get a good look so i can see who that person is but now with the 640 gt i'm gonna want to look at the driver because they're in an exclusive club <laughs> yeah. of people who who get it and and who who know what they're doing and went in and got what they needed and uh that, that's it's it's just a fun kind of you know, outlier on the market. It's it's like uh it's like the Cadillac CTSV wagon. It's like no one casually buys these vehicles. You know? Yeah, they know what they they know what they've got, which is a common phrase on a lot of uh, Craigslist articles. I know what <laughs> yes, I've Craigslist. Got. I know what I have. Don't don't <laughs> don't uh don't lowball me. But these people um, actually know what they've got. So Sammy, uh, next week, what are we going to be talking about? Oh my goodness, I don't even. Uh oh yes, I do know what I'm talking about. I didn't even think about it. I have a new Porsche Boxster GTS. Interesting. This is the, the four-cylinder engine, correct? Uh, yes. Let's go with yes, that. I haven't looked the, into it yet. <laughs> it's the only way you can buy them, yeah. so it probably is. Uh, I not only not only that, but I'm also um, going to be driving a Kia Stinger GT, a BMW 340i, and a Genesis G70 as part of a really interesting comparison. That, that does sound like a really interesting comparison. I, I am going to be traveling to, I believe I mentioned it on the previous podcast, to Bilsterberg, Germany, to drive the Mercedes AMG C63 on a racetrack. So, very excited about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll have lots to talk about when I get back, that's for sure. I can't wait. So, if there was somebody who wanted to listen to some of our previous podcasts where we talked about, say, that 6 Series GT or any of the other cars that we've mentioned here, um, how would we do that, Ben? 
you can go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. That's probably the easiest way. But they actually, maybe even easier is to just open up iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify and type in Unnamed Automotive Podcast. We are there. Uh, the buttons are on the website too. You can just subscribe right from the website. If you wanted to go to Facebook and find us there, you can do the same thing, Unnamed Automotive Podcast. You can send us messages there. Or how else can people get in touch with us, Sammy? Uh, I think they can reach out to us on Twitter. You can find me at Sammy underscore ha. Uh, and you can find Ben on Instagram at HuntingBenjamin. You can also reach out to us on Facebook. I love that way. You can email me too at Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Or you can do what a lot of people uh, prefer to do, which is on the unnamedautomotivepodcast.com website. There's a contact page. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of people reaching out to us that way. And it gets to us um, fairly directly. Uh, I can't wait to hear more from our listeners. Uh, Please do send your feedback. We've gotten a ton of great feedback. And uh, if there's a car that you want us to talk about or some news or something that you think is funny, just share it with us. We absolutely love seeing and hearing what our listeners are into. And summer is a is a particularly lonely time for Sammy. So if you can reach out, it just makes his days that much brighter. Absolutely. But thank you for listening and we'll catch up next week. Goodbye.